you're competing against the utilities and their primary business doing solar generation. People are going to make it as difficult as possible to make it happen just because you're taking their existing business. And a lot of these companies have monopolies on their business. They have a lot of money as special interest groups to influence the government, both local, state and federal, to make things difficult. Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick podcast where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thanjan, so let's get into it. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. I wanted to personally invite you to our summer solstice networking event that's happening on the day of the summer solstice, which is Wednesday, June 21st from 6 to 10 p.m. at Hudson Hall, which is in Jersey City, New Jersey, which is very close to Manhattan. We've been doing this event for several years now. It's a great opportunity to network with other people in the renewable energy field. And we'll also have some of our guests that we've interviewed in the past. It's $35 to attend, and we're raising money for two different charities. One is the Boys and Girls Club, and the other is Let's Share the Sun Foundation, which we've done two podcast interviews about. If you're interested in potentially sponsoring the event, please email us at info at renewenergy.com. That's I-N-F-O at R-E-N-E-U energy.com. The Eventbrite for this event will be on the notes of the podcast. We look forward to seeing all of you there. It'll be here before you know it. Today's podcast is sponsored by Enerflow, your solar platform. Residential solar installers, EPCs, and sales organizations rely on multiple tools from lead through install. Enerflow intelligently connects them all with proprietary platform features in one cohesive sales and install platform. Streamline your sales and install process on one platform with one login and one connected flow from lead to PTO. Learn more at enerflow.com. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar developer and consulting firm. If you want to learn more about us, go to our website. It's www.renewenergy.com. That's R-E-N-E-U energy.com. On this episode of the Solar Maverick Podcast is an interview that I did on Twitter Spaces, and it was a live interview talking about Bitcoin and solar, a perfect fit. I was interviewed by Logan Chipkin. He's from SAS Mining. SAS Mining is a company that acts as an intermediary. They have a platform that brings investors to Bitcoin mining projects using renewable energy. I'm actually an advisor for SAS Mining in an early stage investor. I hope you enjoyed this episode, the Solar Maverick podcast. Let's get into it. My name is Logan Chipkin. I'm content manager for SAS Mining. I have a long career in writing all sorts of stuff for all sorts of different people. And now I have the great pleasure of writing about all things renewable energy, Bitcoin, Bitcoin mining, and their intersection for SAS Mining. And today we're joined by one of SAS Mining's advisors. In fact, without Benoit, SAS Mining as we know it might not even exist. So with that, before we get into kind of the content <laughs> talk, Benoit, do you want to maybe introduce yourself and maybe elaborate if you want on what exactly I mean by that? So my name is Benoit Thanjan. I am the CEO and founder of Renew Energy. We're a solar developer and consulting firm. We've been in business for 10 years. A little bit about my background before I started my company, 
I worked at Tesla Solar City in their project finance group. I worked for another solar developer doing project finance, a private equity firm that invested in renewable energy projects. And then I worked at Deloitte in the financial advisory practice. So I have about 15 years of renewable energy experience, which in a very new industry like solar, just like crypto, you know, is a lot of experience in the space. I also have one of the most popular podcasts in solar. It's called the Solar Maverick Podcast. I knew about crypto mining. I knew that it could be more efficient usage of energy. What ended up happening was I started getting a lot of miners including SAS Mining, listening to the podcast and them reaching out to me about mining projects that they were looking to do and incorporating renewable energy. And that's how I actually met William from SAS Mining was he was listening to our podcast to learn about solar and he had me on his podcast. I then had him on my podcast from the Solar Maverick podcast was actually how Ken Halliburton joined as CEO of SAS Mining, which is obviously Logan and Wolves company. Wolves, the CEO and founder. And they basically changed the model from doing crypto mining consulting to creating a platform. You could think of it as Uber, where they bring Bitcoin mining projects using renewable energy and then investors to those projects. And I think, Logan, you could correct me if I'm wrong. I think right now on the platform, there's probably two or three projects that are actively looking for rigs. So it's amazing. Like You never know what could happen in an introduction. And I'm glad that it really worked out for SAS Mining. Kent actually talks about this, uh, one of the episodes of Solar Maverick podcast. And it's just crazy from that interview with Kent that came out a few months ago, we're even getting more people in the crypto and Bitcoin world reaching out just because everyone wants to kind of learn about this intersection between renewable energy and crypto, specifically solar energy. We like to talk about how 2022 was really the year that all of the conversations around the convergence between energy and Bitcoin really came onto the map. And we're very excited to kind of be the retail Uber arm of exactly that convergence, if you like. So, Benoit, you said that you spent several years in solar. I wonder when and how did you get interested? Because solar's really changed in the last 15 years. Yeah, it's really amazing how solar has changed. And honestly, the time that I got into the solar industry, a lot of people weren't sure whether solar was really a viable industry. So I had an energy background out of school. I worked for Deloitte in their energy group. And then I worked at a private equity fund where I analyzed investments in renewable energy. It wasn't solar, it was hydro, biomass, landfill, gas. But then I did start doing all these research on solar. And I thought that solar was going to be a game changer and change the way we use electricity. Not to bore people, but before power was very centralized. You had a, basically a power plant. And then it goes through transmission, distribution, and customer. Here's like a distributed model where you create solar on your roof and use that electricity instantaneously. And that creates better reliability of the grid, especially when you're talking about an aging infrastructure. That was back in 2008. So that was like 15 years ago. I was telling everyone how solar was going to be the next big thing. Most people <laughs> wrote me off. And I was like, I don't know. You don't know what you're talking about. But the key thing about solar is it's a technology. So as time goes on, the output of the solar panels have gone exponentially and the cost has decreased substantially, which I thought was going to happen. 
things are happening a lot faster than I thought it was back then. But it's funny, all these people now come back to me like, you were right. You know, you did all that research and it is true that solar is going to be a game changer for not just crypto mining, but how we use energy in the future. And it allows us to be energy independent. And that was the primary reason why I got into solar, because there are so many wars that the U.S. has had for oil. And I thought there has to be a better way. And I thought solar could be that way and multiple different technologies incorporating that, like we're talking about mining, but EV charging, infrastructure, microgrids. So it's a pretty exciting time to be in the industry and it's growing exponentially and it's still very early in the solar space. Yeah, it's definitely still early. And you alluded to kind of the parallels between the Bitcoin ecosystem and the solar ecosystem. They're both early. They're both on exponential growth trajectories. So where does Renew Energy fit into the solar ecosystem? We develop commercial, industrial and utility scale projects. We focus on large rooftops, primarily in the Northeast Mid-Atlantic that are 50,000 square feet or greater. We just actually have an office as well in San Diego. We're doing that in California. We're a big developer of community solar. That's where it's smaller utility scale projects. That's usually around five megawatts AC or 7.5 megawatts DC. But that's around like 35 acres of land that you have solar on it. And these projects are highly profitable because you're taking a retail off-taker which is usually like a residential customer who's paying 15 to 17 cents for their electricity and providing them a discount versus selling it to the utility and they're paying up two to three cents per kilowatt hour. We are also very involved in RECs, renewable energy credits, which is an incentive that states have created to incentivize solar. I started Solar City's environmental trading desk, Solar City slash Tesla, trading desk and project finance. I come from a finance background. But our primary business is really developing community solar utility scale solar projects. So Benoit, you said earlier that solar cost curves have been going down. So I'm just curious, would Renew Energy's business model have been viable 15 years ago when you started? Or are you able to operate thanks to the innovations that have occurred in the solar space since you started? So back then in certain markets, solar made sense. Like for example, there was a cash grant for solar at 30%. And at the time, New Jersey added a strong incentive, which is called a solar renewable energy credit, which at the time they had it really high and it was basically going down over time. We were talking about 400 or 40 cents to 50 cents per kilowatt hour incentive. Then the cost of the panel in solar, we use dollar per watt DC. You can get a panel for 35 cents the costs have gone down. As like costs have gone down and efficiencies of the panels have improved, what we've seen is that incentives by the different states have been going down. For example, New Jersey, which is where we're based in actually Jersey City, New Jersey, and San Diego, California. Now the incentive is 12.5 cents per kilowatt hour versus 50 cents per kilowatt hour back then. So at that time, like it was a lot harder to make projects pencil. The reason why the Northeast, like why New Jersey, there's not a lot of sun, but why that worked at that time was the Northeast has high electricity rates and not maybe the same solar irradiance or sunlight. 
Got it. Every time you say New Jersey, it's kind of music to my ears because that's where I'm from. But anyway, I digress. Oh, I didn't realize. (laughs) Yeah, I'm from South Jersey, though, and now I live in Philly. But anyway, enough about me. So I wonder, could you tell us maybe aside from you're talking about efficiency gains and cost curves falling, what kind of cool concrete innovations occurred in the solar industry since you started? Like any gizmos or gadgets or technological capabilities that weren't around 15 years ago? One of the biggest ones that we're seeing is bifacial hulls, where you could absorb energy from both sides of the panel. The other thing are tracking systems, where, you know, solar panels are either like a mounted system, but now there's a tractor where the panels will follow the sun. That's increased the solar output. I'll talk about, I'm biased because I used to work for Tesla Solar City and I used to work for uh, Lyndon Rive, who was the CEO of Solar City, who's Elon's cousin that I've met Elon. So like I've had experience with electric vehicles for now 13 years at Tesla. What we found is that once someone buys an electric vehicle, they normally would want solar on their house. So it's a lot cheaper from a charging perspective. So that's also increased the adoption. Just the proliferation of electric vehicles is allowing, you know, more solar to be developed. And it's also educating the customer too. So what we found too is like Google Nest which educates people about energy usage, then they started to say, hey, we want like more renewable or sustainable options. So it's interesting as well as like the generation seems more attuned with renewable energy and sustainability and it being an important feature for them when they buy a product. So I think those are the major ones that I could think It's interesting you say when people start driving electric, they become more comfortable with solar. Even in Bitcoin, you know, people start buying Bitcoin on an exchange. They might get more comfortable with a cold wallet, that sort of thing. So that's a nice parallel. Aside from the technology, and you mentioned a little bit how younger people are more amenable to solar than maybe older generations. Have you noticed any cultural shifts around solar, whether just in the United States or more broadly? Cultural shifts. Yeah, it's in like public perception of solar. So, you know, one thing for a very long time when I would be with customers, meaning like commercial industrial landowners, it was a very long education process because they were not comfortable with solar. They heard that solar was just too expensive, that it didn't make sense. What's amazing that's happened the past two years is now I don't have to educate really as much. It's really a lot of people understand the value proposition with solar which is great because that means that there'll be more adoption. But I think you see that with crypto as well. I think there's still a large majority of the population that still doesn't understand it and doesn't understand like why it's necessary. And it's kind of interesting to me, and I was mentioning this to Will, who's the CEO of SAS Mining, that solar is just a few years earlier than crypto. And the same things that we're seeing in solar happening in crypto, it's almost like two different industries, but history is kind of repeating itself. And the other thing too, both technologies are interrelated, right? Because Obviously, Bitcoin uses a lot of energy for mining. You want it to be from a sustainable, renewable resource. Solar is an ideal technology to be able to do that. We started helping miners with trying to develop solar projects with mining facilities. It's still all very in the early stages, but there's a huge opportunity going forward where these projects are going to be developed together or currently on the same land site. 
or even commercial side. Yeah, absolutely. And we've spoken with previous guests in the solar industry who are actively looking for such opportunities. And I've learned some interesting things about kind of how the solar industry perceives Bitcoin. And we can talk about that in a little bit. But just to round out sure. the solar proper discussion, is there anything you can tell us that's exciting on Renew Energy's horizon that's coming up down the pipe? I mean, there's so many different things. Literally, since the war happened in Ukraine, and the Anti-Inflation Act that's been passed and signed by the President of Congress, that legislation has created so much opportunity for renewable energy in the future, specifically solar, where the United States is going to be potentially the number one country for solar adoption and renewable energy, and also bring a lot of manufacturing onshore to the U.S. When the war in Ukraine happened, natural gas and oil went up. What that caused was higher electricity prices. And once that happened, because natural gas basically impacts the electricity price in the U.S. because most generation is from natural gas plants. So if the price goes up of natural gas, electricity will therefore go up as well. Prices of electricity in the U.S. haven't gone up in a very long time. And then once it spiked because of the Ukraine war, that just made solar an easier sell to a lot of our customers and everyone wanted to move very quickly. And then also too, just companies being aware and really focusing on renewable energy, sustainability and ESG efforts. Those are the exciting things that are happening in the industry that's leading to exponential growth that we're going to see for easily another 30, 50 to 60 years. Solar only makes less than five to 6% of the generation of the US. So there's still a lot more going in the future and still early in the industry. Yeah, you know, you bring up a good point about the Ukraine-Russia war or whatever, the however you want to phrase it. And I think that's a special case of a broader phenomenon of geopolitical units seeking more independence. And this goes to your earlier point about how solar is a decentralizing energy source. I wonder if there's a connection there that as people say, hey, you know what, maybe we shouldn't be so dependent on other political powers. I wonder if that's going to be a wind in solar sails. I don't know if you've thought about that sort of thing. I have thought about that. And it's interesting because I think that's true. The other thing, too, this goes back to crypto and Bitcoin. Like, what about decentralized currency? Right. Especially with everything that's happening. I think, you know, what was interesting? So I went with William to the blockchain conference in Asia where we're meeting with investors for SaaS mining. And it's interesting because in the U.S., we're so used to using the dollar. When you go to other countries, they're a lot more familiar with using cryptocurrency and specifically Bitcoin because their currency not being the fiat currency, hyperinflation or other things that people are diversifying the currency are not dependent on dollars. I couldn't believe how big blockchain and specifically cryptocurrencies are in other parts of the world. But when you're in the US, you don't necessarily see that. Alex Gladstein really touches on this point in his book. It's called Check Your Financial Privilege. I finished it recently. But I think it's a really powerful argument. And now we can kind of transition into Bitcoin is that, like you say, in the Western world and especially in America, we have no concept. People say, oh, Bitcoin has no use case. It's just a waste of energy and this sort of thing, because we take for granted that inflation is going to be relatively low. We don't really live in an oppressive monetary regime. But in other countries, Bitcoin is already digital gold. Yes. So when did you first hear about Bitcoin and what was the light bulb moment for you, no pun intended, that Bitcoin and solar might have some sort of synergy? 
So with Renew Energy, one of our first clients, we were helping them develop renewable energy projects. And they started uh, sort of a prop cryptocurrency firm. They asked me to be an early stage investor. At that time, I didn't really understand crypto. But literally, you know, I've known and become close friends with the CEO of this company. And then he told me, hey, but only like one time we met up actually for drinks in the city. Maybe this was 2018 or 19. He said, hey, just put money in Bitcoin and Ethereum. I think now, correct me if I'm wrong, Logan, it's at 21 to 22,000. For me, like I'm always analyzing different investment opportunities outside of solar. The use case for Bitcoin and why you should invest it really made a lot of sense to me. And I invested back then. So I was very aware of cryptocurrency, which might be early for most people, but I wish I invested earlier than I did at that time. But really it was from the podcast, the Solar Maverick podcast, which I have, you can find all the major platforms. I was just surprised how many people in crypto were reaching out with questions. And that really led me to think there had to be an opportunity with using solar energy or renewable forms of energy for crypto mining and make sense like in the future. Maybe I was aware of that maybe right before COVID. So maybe that's like three years ago. And then I met Saz Mining and we both, Logan, were at Bitcoin 2022, which I learned a lot from that experience and winning the Bitcoin Bronco as a solar guy, I think surprised a lot of people in the industry. So yeah, that's kind of how the progression and things kind of happen. And, you know, I'm still have so much to learn. Will and Kent and you and the rest of the SaaS mining team have done a great job educating me on the crypto part more. The solar to me is like, I've been doing it for so long. Mm -hmm. I think I'm probably more advanced than a lot of people are. But at the same time, I feel like I still have so much to learn. Oh, sure. And I think that's the right attitude, especially with such a new technology. And, you know, it's funny you say, not that you said it this way, but you're basically, of course, an expert in solar and Bitcoin and this sort of thing you're still learning. If I may sort of feel the opposite, or at least like coming into SAS mining, like I know Bitcoin pretty well, but I'm down to learn solar and other renewables. And, you know, Ken's been doing a great job mentoring me and that sort of thing. And I'm glad our content, you find it educational. Today's podcast is sponsored by Enerflow your solar platform. More than just a software platform, Enerflow's experienced platform consultants dig deep into your company's current processes to identify exactly how Enerflow can help you streamline. Enerflow brings order to solar chaos by helping companies consolidate their technology and reduce soft costs. By connecting the tools that residential solar installers, EPCs, and sale orgs already know and love with proprietary platform features, Enerflow truly becomes your solar platform, purpose-built and configured to meet the unique needs of your business. Decrease time to close, project duration and soft growth costs, increase solar pull-through and the number of projects complete, customer satisfaction and your profitability. Learn more at enerflow.com. So I'm wondering, do you ever hear the typical energy and environmental criticisms of Bitcoin? And if so, what do you think of those? I hear about it all the time. Crypto is not real. It's a sham. People complain about the energy usage. Honestly, it's mainstream media that I tend to hear that from, not from people who really know about what crypto is and what its purpose is. And I think like if you ever talk to Ken about what's the purpose of Bitcoin, he summarizes it so well. I feel like mainstream media unfortunately likes to 
say negative things about when things happen in the industry, especially when it's bad, it's tended to dominate the headlines. But, you know, most sophisticated and educated investors that I speak to really truly believe in Bitcoin and it as an asset class that you have to invest in and diversify. So I only pay attention to the smart money most of the time. Yeah, I mean, I'm sort of patiently waiting for the narrative that Bitcoin actually helps make renewable energy sources profitable. I'm waiting for that to become mainstream. Oh, yes. So that's actually the surprising thing to me. Logan, correct me. You know, on mining and solar, it makes so much sense. Effectively, you have a battery that you could use a lot more than a battery. And then the other thing, too, is you have a value producing Bitcoin and then obviously the cost to operate at the mining facility. So it's a lot easier to value the project than having a standard energy storage project because you need sophisticated software and the utility has to figure out like time of use and how to compensate you. Like this is just so much simpler. Surprisingly, in the solar world, not a lot of people are looking at this. And when I've come out with the podcasts about solar and Bitcoin, a lot of people are are like, this is the only material I can find about this where the solar industry is actually talking about it. I haven't seen like much content. Surprisingly, the solar industry, even though it's a brand new industry, everyone tends to follow the same thing, you know, and they're not really thinking of things like crypto could disrupt the solar industry. Like, why do you have to tie into the grid if you have a miner or a mining facility that could take all that electricity? Then you don't have to be close to like three-phase power or interconnection costs don't matter at that point. So... We're dealing with this now, helping Bitcoin miners develop in projects. The other thing, too, is the solar community is very stuck on, like, it has to be an investment-grade offtake so we can't do crypto mining. But why don't we start off with any excess electricity using it for mining? Or I think eventually it's going to happen in the near future. You're going to have, like, a group of investors that are comfortable with mining being 100% the offtake from the solar project. It's just a matter of time and matter of finding that sophisticated investor that understands the value add and what I just spoke about. Yeah. And another benefit from my kind of Bitcoin maxi perspective is solar providers and other renewables too will, they don't even have to be kind of ideologically aligned with me that, you know, my thesis would be we need Bitcoin as a global reserve asset. They don't even need to be aligned to see Bitcoin mining as such a powerful fuel for their business model. As you say, it's better than a battery. So they're like, okay, well, I don't really care about the purpose of Bitcoin. I just know that they're a buyer of first or last resort, whatever I need. And that to me is very exciting. That's a great point, Logan. And I appreciate you talking about that in more depth, because I think that's a real opportunity that I don't think a lot of people understand. Surprisingly. Yeah, yeah. We spoke with someone in a recent Twitter space and apparently people in the solar industry aren't necessarily fully on board with Bitcoin yet. But I do think that's going to change because it just basically solves your intermittency issue. Definitely. And that's the issue that we're trying to solve. Solar energy is great, but the only thing, it's ideal during peak Mm -hmm. times, right? And there are other times where you could get solar and it's off peak times and I don't want to go into the duck curve and all these other things, but this fixes essentially intermittency issue with solar energy because it allows you to use 
the mining facility, whatever solar energy is produced. So are you open to collaborating with other crypto mining facilities or just Bitcoin? We're open to other mining facilities outside of Bitcoin. We have to understand the currency to get comfortable with it. If it's something that we don't know, but we're not just looking at Bitcoin, but predominantly everyone we've spoken to are Bitcoin miners. So that's why. And when you speak with other people in the solar industry, what is their comfort level with just Bitcoin? Do they see it as an opportunity? Do they see it as a waste? Do they see it as fake money? How do they see it? <laughs> Honestly, most people, and I was just at a conference in San Diego for Community Solar, most people don't really understand Bitcoin in the solar industry and what the benefits can be. And that's usually a lot, a lot of topic that's spoken about. It's usually battery storage. How can we tie batteries in? I saw actually there's like a financing conference that's pretty big in the solar industry. And they do have a person from US Bitcoin, I forget the name of the company. I think it's talking about crypto opportunity, but that's the thing that I've seen. And then like one podcast from a lawyer talking about crypto and solar. I feel like most of the industry or the people who know are probably not talking about it because I think it's a big opportunity, but there's so much opportunity to be had. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm just curious now, are you relative to other people in the solar industry? Are you the Bitcoin guy or am I misinterpreting? <laughs> I don't know if we're the Bitcoin guy looking at a very large portfolio of projects and it could be one of the first ones. But obviously there's a long road to add. The challenging thing is like the financing of the project mm, sure. and to get those investors interested. You know, the problem is life cycle of projects for solar takes a very long time due to like permitting. I guess there's these same issues actually with crypto, but I guess you don't need the same mass or surface area. But yeah, I don't know if we're the people. I think there are definitely other companies that are doing it, but they're just keeping it on the down low. So I don't know for the go-to people, but I know there are other companies looking at it. There's no information out there who's actually trying to develop these projects. Wow, very interesting. So you're really ahead of the curve then. By the way, let me just say, if anyone in the audience has any questions or comments, either for me or certainly for Benoit, you're more than welcome to raise your hand and we're happy to bring you on board. So Benoit, getting a little bit back into more of the energy side of things, are you passionate about all renewable energy or are you kind of a solar maximalist, to borrow a phrase? <laughs> so I believe other renewable energy, not just solar. The reason 10 years ago why I named the company Renew Energy and not Sun and Solar was I knew that there was going to be other technologies, existing technologies or new technologies that come in. And it's, solar is not going to be the only solution. There's going to be different energy sources that are going to be the solution. I also believe that there's still a need for fossil fuels as well. There's like this whole conversation now, and I don't know how familiar you are, Logan, about potentially us being able to do nuclear fission, oh, yeah. fusion. That's something that I've honestly looked at before and something that might be... So I think solar is going to be a dominant technology. And the key thing is that you're not using energy. Like if you use a coal plant, you're burning coal natural gas, you're using it. But the solar panel, it's almost like a processing chip. Like the technology just keeps getting better and better and smaller and more efficient. So it's not like your typical energy source that you're basically losing it. And we're getting better at recycling. There's companies coming out 
you know, the useful life of these solar panels are 30 to 40 years. Now there are companies that are able to recycle the materials, which I think is very important. We're also using less precious metals and certain commodities less and less, which then makes it more valuable to society. But I think solar is definitely going to be one of the dominant technologies when it comes to the energy mix of the future. Yeah, one thing that from my studies on renewable energies, I used to associate solar and wind. I used to pair those together in my mind. But I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it strikes me that solar is able to scale and decentralize much more effectively than wind power can. Yeah, that's correct. I've worked on wind development. That's the primary reason why solar is a better technology. The other thing, too, is you want your solar energy when it's hot outside, you're using all the electricity and AC, and that's usually when solar's producing the most energy. That's really like auto-peak demand is offset best by solar. First of all, when you talk about the larger wind turbines, it takes a long time to permit those projects. The other thing too, is usually most of the electricity is produced at night when electricity is usually the cheapest. It's usually on those hot, sunny days that you're going to want to use solar. So that's why it's like a more preferred to use solar. But I could see in the future... You know, obviously different technologies all coming together and working to solve this energy issue that's going to be decentralized and distributed. The majority of it is now centralized. Just to give you an example, I'm in San Diego. We're having 40 miles per hour winds. The electricity went out in downtown San Diego for an hour, which is pretty crazy if you think about it. That's because the infrastructure hasn't been updated in a long time. There's not enough renewable energy resources or backup storage or generators out there. So it's interesting to see that even in the country of the U.S., that there needs to be a lot done for this aging infrastructure. And the best way to do it is obviously fix the infrastructure, but also put a lot of distributed resources onto the grid. That creates reliability. To be honest, I don't know if I agree with you that the right thing to do is necessarily to fix the current infrastructure. I mean, of course, that's always going to be good. But if we could somehow build out a distributed quasi-independent infrastructure of solar, I wonder if our resources would be better spent doing that. Yeah, that's actually a good point. I actually bespoke, like I didn't think like totally fixing the infrastructure. There needs to be some upgrades done to the grid, but obviously the best way is to do it decentralized and focus on decentralized power generation because I'm going to be always more reliable than, you know, having transmission and distribution networks bring electricity from a very far distance. Right. And that's something Bitcoin mining can help with as well by kind of canceling it, nullifying the transmission costs by serving as a continuous buyer. So Pretty you had point. mentioned that sometimes solar projects take a while. I'm just curious, in your opinion, is there an excessive amount of red regulatory red tape around the solar industry? Or would you say that you guys are actually pretty good at being able to operate independently and freely? That's the key thing. The regulatory framework is the reason why it takes such a long time for solar to come online. Like you have to get the permitting from the township. The township wants to start some sort of property tax. The utility wants to basically upgrade the interconnection point with the money from the project, which is not necessarily fair, I believe, because there's other benefits that the utility is getting from upgrading the infrastructure through the money from that project. The other thing, too, is, and by the way, this is an issue with crypto. You're competing against the utilities, right? And their primary business 
and you're taking that business away from them doing solar generation. People are going to make it as difficult as possible to make it happen just because you're taking their existing business. And a lot of these companies have monopolies on their business. They have a lot of money as special interest groups to influence the government, both local, state, and federal, to make things difficult and to make it a long time to to get things online. Now, solar is the cheapest form of power in the U.S., so you can't, over the long term, keep it eventually going to happen no matter what because the economics prove it out. And this is actually similar to Bitcoin or crypto. Why would the U.S. government want to support Bitcoin other than collecting taxes from it or trying to collect taxes from it? Like They're going to do everything they can because you're taking business away from them. Yes, that's certainly one way to put it. I could make some interesting arguments that it would be in the U.S. government's best interest to embrace Bitcoin because on the global stage, it would put them at an advantage over its rivals, let's say, because if we're on a Bitcoin standard and we're getting a little bit of field, but you might find this interesting. So if we're on a Bitcoin standard, then people's ability to generate wealth is basically accelerated, which means the purchasing power of the U.S. dollar or any layer two money on top of Bitcoin increases relative to the currencies of other governments. And so, in other words, going on the Bitcoin standard from the government's perspective is like putting its economy on steroids, which only strengthens itself because then its tax receipts go that much further. That's actually something that I haven't heard before. And that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I feel like the government, though, thinks very short term, especially when you're the fiat. That's the rub. It's short term versus long term. I mean, that's like everything in life, right? It's like, okay, this might be uncomfortable in the short term. I'm sure there are examples of this in solar, too. It's like, okay, short term, this might be confusing and you're not familiar with it. But long term, this is worth it. And the problem is politicians, right? They're motivated by getting Mm reelected and they're focused always on short term and their special interest groups, which makes it challenging, not just on this on the Bitcoin level, for them to think long term on what's best for the U.S. Yeah, well, I think when it comes to both, from where I stand, renewables have gained a lot of ground in, let's say, the United States just by entering the collective consciousness of people that recognizing that renewables have tons of benefits as you say, politicians do want to get reelected. But if the voters value renewable energy and Bitcoin, then the way for them to get reelected is by enacting policies that favor both of those things. That's a great point. And you're starting to see that with solar renewable energy politicians and corporations, especially with climate happening. You're seeing that it's now becoming in the forefront of politics. I think you'll as well see that with crypto over time as well. Absolutely. So if anyone has any last minute questions before we get out of here, feel free to raise your hand. But if not, Benoit, I want to really thank you for your time. It was a pleasure catching up. I know we hung out a little bit in Miami, not as much as I would have liked, but that's okay. I'm sure we'll see each other again. (laughs) Yeah, I'm ready for Miami 2023. And I definitely, Logan, would love if you could write some solar stuff for us. Yes. you know, I know we talked about that. We did talk about that. As you know, I have a deep passion for writing about ideas and spreading them. It's what I like to do in life. So yeah, happy to talk for sure. And I appreciate you letting me be on. I think like this is great that you're creating a platform for people to learn about that's not spoke about in the industry in like normal conversations. And it should be. So I appreciate you doing that. And also, if people are interested in learning more about this, you definitely should check out two interviews that I did on the Solar Maverick podcast. 
One's with Kent, he's the CEO of SAS Mining, and one's with William Siggy, who's the CEO and president. And that was actually, Williams was on episode 86 of the Solar Maverick podcast, and Kent's was episode 125 of the Solar Maverick podcast, if you want to learn more outside of this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those are definitely good conversations. And like I said at the very top, you're largely the reason SAS Mining exists in its current form. So we're all in your debt, Benoit. And we'll definitely talk soon, Benoit. And I want to thank you very much for joining. I want to thank the audience for participating. Hope you learned something new. And we'll see you next week. So thank you. Have a good day, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Solar Maverick Podcast. The Solar Maverick Podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar development and consulting firm. If you believe that this podcast is adding value to you, please give us a five-star review and share with those that you think could benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and feedback to info at renewenergy.com. That's I-N-F-O at R-E-N-E-U-Energy.com. The Solar Maverick Podcast is produced by Podcast Laundry and executive produced by Benoit Thangen and Kevin Y. Brown. 